0: From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Seren. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Cattle mutilations, or strange and unexplained livestock deaths, Missing vital organs and soft tissue, seemingly removed with surgical precision. No sign of struggle, no blood, no indication that the death was caused by natural predators. Bovine excision, my friends, that's where we're headed. And field investigator into the high strange, Chris O'Brien, is standing by to discuss. Uh, First, a few programming notes. There is no live YouTube, YouTube stream tonight. No live YouTube stream. Uh, and that means no live chat. Sorry about that. But the live YouTube stream will return next week. Uh, also, no what's in the box segment. No remote viewing experiment. But that, too, will return next week. And uh, we have uh, instituted, as you know, a new format here on the, the uh, Conspiracy Show. We have, um, usually in the first hour, a panel uh, and more guests, shorter segments. Uh, but from time to time, we uh, we have to deviate from that format, and tonight is one of those times. So next week, we will be, we'll, uh, be back to our regular format. Uh, Albert and Ryan will be here. Uh, our panel uh, will be back. Media scientist Nelson Thal and Joel Skousen, uh, the editor and publisher of World Affairs Brief, will be here. And uh, in the second hour, Open Lines, followed by Dr. Stephen Greer. A typical cattle mutilation story begins when the remains of a victim animal have been discovered. Most commonly, the remains have been found in some open field by a rancher, farmer, or other unlucky individual. The animal in question is commonly reported to have been in good health just days prior to the discovery, so the death is unexpected and natural causes seem unlikely. The body itself appears to have been mutilated after death. Oftentimes, external body parts are missing, such as the ears, the eyes, the sex organs, or the tongue. In some cases, flesh even appears to have been stripped off of the skull. Witnesses insist that the edges of the wounds are smooth and clean, as though done with a surgeon's scalpel. A scalpel also appears to have split open the stomach of many animals, and internal organs have been removed. A conspicuous absence of blood is another common feature. Always, the witnesses claim that there are no footprints, tire tracks, or scavenger prints leading either towards or away from the body. The death is a mystery, and foul play of some kind is assumed. Okay, let's talk cattle mutilations. From 1992 to 2002, Christopher O'Brien investigated over 1,000 paranormal events reported in the San Luis Valley, located in south-central Colorado, north-central New Mexico, working with law enforcement officials, ex-military, ranchers, and an extensive network of sky watchers. He documented what may have been the most intense wave of unexplained activity ever seen in a single region of North America. His ten-year investigation resulted in in three books of his Mysterious Valley trilogy, The Mysterious Valley, Enter the Valley, and Secrets of the Mysterious Valley, his meticulous field investigation of UFO reports, unexplained livestock deaths, haunted sites, Native American legends, cryptozoology, secret military activity, and the folklore found in the world's largest alpine valley has produced one of the largest databases of unusual occurrences gathered from a single geographic region. He's currently working with a team of specialists installing a high-tech video surveillance and hard data monitoring system in and around the San Luis Valley. His latest book is Stalking the Herd, and it's published by Adventures Unlimited Press. Chris, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. How are you? Very good. Thank you uh, for having me, Richard. If you were to put uh, pins on a, on a big map of the United States, could we identify clusters where these cattle mutilations, livestock mutilations are happening?
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> we've been doing that for over 40 years. Um, we do actually have an extensive map that shows uh, areas of high incidence, which um, for the most part are, are um, I would say, generally are in the Rocky Mountain states up into Alberta, um, and then across the uh, the Midwest and across the Canadian Plains, um, all the way to uh, the Mississippi, and then they start to drop off on the um, extreme East Coast and on the extreme West Coast. Pretty much the middle of the country is where you'll have more pins in in places than the uh, the map will actually be able to to uh, take.
0: What I, what I like about your work, Chris, is you approach this as a as a hard nosed skeptic, and you know we don't hear a lot from you about necessarily about you know UFOs and tractor beams taking cows on board motherships and dropping them in strange places and and that sort of thing but there break it down for me the the percentage with your personal uh experience in invest investigations the percentage that are readily explainable by natural predation or some other natural more prosaic explanation and those what are what you sort of categorize as the high strange
1: well for the for the most part uh, you know the ranchers and uh, the ranching community does not report um, scavenger kill uh, you know predator kills and scavenging for the most part Two percent of their herds die every year, and they're, and they're used to seeing dead animals. They're used to seeing what happens once they die, how the um, f- you know f- from a variety of scavengers, from the four legged environments to, to birds, uh, to insects, maggot blooms, um, that sort of thing. They're, they're very very uh, familiar with the process uh, that occurs after an animal dies. It's these uh, stranger cases that uh, tend to be the ones that get reported. But you really have to analyze this as a societal. Um, in a societal context, if local papers get a hold of, of real cases that are, are um, apparently high strange, not only to the rancher but to investigators and law enforcement, if papers get a hold of that and write an article, um, then you might even see a few cases that are misidentified by by you know people just passing by a pasture and seeing a dead cow. And looking at what's a natural process and, and because they're not familiar with it, uh, thinking that it's high strange. So that tends to generate a few, a few false positives, if you will. Um, it's only when you really hit the regional, um, news services that it really creates a lot of problems with misidentified scavenger action. Scavengers are very, very, <laughs> very efficient. And, um, I've seen magpies, for instance, carve a, a perfectly circular hole In the rear end of a cow that looks like it was it could have been drawn with a compass. Um, Some of these uh, unusual scavenger action uh, appearance, if you if you will, can fool even veterinarians. So um, it's it's really difficult to to put numbers on it. I I would say that out of the real cases that appear to have been cut with a sharp sharp implement, that maybe ten percent are are really high strange, and the other. Let's say 80 to 90 percent could could very well have been done by by skillful humans um, wielding
0: uh, fairly sophisticated surgery techniques. Ten percent still. I mean, that sounds like a small number. But when we're talking about, you know, this arena, 10 percent is is a sizable number. Christopher O'Brien is with us. His latest book is Unraveling the Cattle. or Sorry, Stalking the Herd unraveling the cattle mutilation mystery stalking the herd unraveling the cattle mutilation mystery and uh, his uh, website is ourstrangeplanet.com um you you began sort of describing some of the uh, the outward appearances of uh, one of these cattle mutilation cases and that is the um the excision uh, various animal, or various parts of the, of the cow, of the livestock. The soft
1: tissue organs.
0: The soft tissue organs. Like an yeah.
1: eye will be missing, uh, possibly an ear will be, uh, excised, uh, with a neat circle around the, around the, uh, the ear down to the skull. Um, often if it's a female, the female reproductive organs are taken out like a, like a, a plug, uh, sometimes 18, 20 inches deep into the animal. Um, the, the udder, uh, part of the udder, the, the entire udder, um, oftentimes is reported missing. The real telltale sign that, uh, investigators look for, and, 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 this sign is what makes the, uh, case into a classic mute, as we call them, or a classic mutilation, is when the jan- uh, the mandible flesh on the jaw is excised and, and expertly cut away, and the jawbone is, is unnaturally white. There's very, very little, if any, uh, tissue, muscle, um, any sort of, uh, you know, soft organic tissue on the jawbone. And generally that would indicate that the tongue has been excised from deep within the throat and possibly uh, some of the, um, uh, your glands, uh, in the throat, uh, could possibly have been taken. So it's, it's generally the organs that humans develop cancer, uh, most readily, uh, interestingly enough. And, uh, that are removed. you know, these are also the organs that, that scavengers go after too because they're soft tissue and it's the easiest way into the body cavity where all the, uh, <laughs> the delectables are. Uh, so you have to be very careful when you're When you're looking at these cases, only a veterinary pathologist really is in a position to determine whether an animal has been, uh, you know, targeted with intelligence, shall we say. Um, I'm not a veterinary pathologist, but I've, I've been taking notes for a long time. I've been out with, with veterinarians, uh, with crime scene investigators and law enforcement, with brand inspectors and, and you tend, you tend to become a little bit more up to speed and, and your, your learning curve tends to flatten out once you've, been out on <laughs> several dozen cases my um, personally have been out on around 200
0: and and again of those you would say ten percent are categorized as high strange well forty
1: percent uh, 40 of them let's say 40 I would say 40 out of those uh, 200 were definitely without any question in my mind uh, these animals were killed somehow targeted and then and then ex- experimented on with surg- with surgery and out of those there were about six six or seven that really were freaky, that uh, had some of the earmarks of a high strange case, a paranormal case even. Oh. Uh, I think at the very core we're dealing with something supernatural. I think there is some sort of undefined predator that's lurking about in the ethers, if you will, uh, for lack of a better uh, description. And I think that the human cases are are trying to figure out maybe what that pre- predator uh Uh, intelligence, what it's up to. And so I think these, the human cases tend to happen afterwards and they, they tend to spread out from the initial, uh, the initial case. And, uh, you know, then you'll have helicopter sightings, which are rarely mentioned, uh, by some of the more popular researchers out there that have their little cults of personality and, uh, are trying to convince everybody this is aliens. Uh, they forget about the over 400 or so helicopter sightings that have been
0: uh, right. documented
1: in and around mutilation sites since the uh, mid-70s, uh, early that to mid-70s.
0: So. How did that start, Chris? How did we, we – and we just have two minutes, uh, we'll, and we'll start this okay. conversation now and then pick it up on uh, again after the break. But how did this connection between cattle mutilations and UFOs begin? Uh, very simply, the very first publicized case that went around
1: the world, the very first really well-known case uh, occurred in the San Luis Valley, where I lived for 13 years. Uh, right near the great sand dunes, um, and it was a Snippy the Horse case and the animal was found, uh, it was an Appaloosa horse found with all the tissue and muscle and flesh and hide missing from the tip of its nose all the way to its shoulders. And, uh, when the story was kind of covered up for about uh, three weeks or a month and then the owner came out and told the, the regional press that flying saucers had come down and killed her horse and the, the link has been there ever since. <laughs> all right. That was um, in 67.
0: 1967. Here we are 50 years later. Yep. Um, but, and, and that may sort of, for many people in, in, in the public's consciousness, be sort of a patient zero or victim zero, if you will. But you've, yeah. you've looked back. I mean, cattle mutilations, the high strange variety, go back far, far more into our past. Hundreds and hundreds oh, yeah. of years, right? Oh, yeah
1: absolutely uh, the earliest recorded case i can find was actually hundreds of sheep that were mutilated in and around london uh in 1606 the time of king james uh,
0: king james the uh, reign i Co- guess
1: correct just a few weeks after the the guy fox gunpowder plot right when shakespeare was finishing up uh, macbeth and starting the uh, rehearsals at the globe theater and uh and uh james the first was rewriting
0: the christian bible <laughs> all right interesting uh- Context there. All right, we'll uh, take a time out, come back. Christopher O'Brien is with us, stalking the herd, unraveling the cattle mutilation mystery. OurStrangePlanet.com is his website, and we'll come back and discuss further. Stay with us. governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down, and it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarratt. We are back with Christopher O'Brien, and um, it is truly one of the most disturbing, befuddling phenomenons I've ever come across. Cattle mutilation, also known as bovine excision, uh, or unexplained livestock death, and uh, the killing and, and mutilation of cattle under unusually unusual rather and uh, often well this is another sort of uh, area of contention uh, we we hear that uh, th- these creature these poor creatures have been uh, exsanguinated uh, totally drained of their blood but then along comes a level-headed investigator like Christopher O'Brien and says now hold on a minute hold on a minute this is not you know uh what it appears to be these by and large these Mutilated cattle are not drained of every drop of blood, are they?
1: The vast majority, no, they're not. There are a few that are drained of blood, and those generally are the high strange ones that we really can't we can't uh, figure out. Uh, you know, can't figure out. You know, what technology could actually do that? You know, when you cut into the meat of a dead animal, um, if the meat's pink and uh, to red, obviously there's blood in there but if you if you cut into it and the meat is is pale, pink or gray, then uh, that would indicate that there's been some sort of exanguation process that has occurred, whether the animal has been tapped in the and pumped its own blood out or whether there's some some type of machine that can do it. Um, but these cases are really rare uh, in my in my estimation based on my experience. Um, a lot of times when the rancher approaches the animal, you know, he looks down at it and of course he's horrified because he's, you know, lost, you know, anywhere from, you know, 500 to, uh, you know, many thousands of dollars of an investment. And, um, you know, he looks at it and he doesn't see maybe the wounds are bleeding. Uh, he doesn't, doesn't notice any, any real apparent blood. Well, you just got to remember your basic science. Uh, gravity has a habit of pulling liquids down to the lowest point in the body, creating lividity and, and pulling the blood in, in the lower extremities and in, in the, and in the body cavity. and I, I don't know how many times that I've had a rancher say, well, they drain this animal of blood. And I'd say, well, here, give me a hand. And we'd flip it over and whoosh. Here comes all the, uh, you know, gr- granted, a lot of the moisture has been wicked away. Uh, I do live in, you know, at the time I lived in a semi-arid desert. So especially in the, the dry climate, you're going to have a lot of the, the moisture is going to wick away from the blood and you'll, you'll just have the hemoglobin and, and, and you know, lots of red blood cells in the, in, in you know, the more visceral parts of the uh, aspect of the blood will be there in the body cavity and all you have to do is turn it over and and there's all your uh, constituent elements. So, um, you know, in my experience, uh, the draining of blood is, I think, I think it's,
0: it's rather the exception than the norm. Right, but there have been exceptions. Tell me about... Oh yeah, the two hundred or so cattle mutilation cases you've investigated in the field. I mean, you don't just write about this stuff and and, and look at newspaper headlines. You're a oh, no. you know roll up your sleeves, get your get dirt under your fingernails. You go out into the field uh, and yeah. examine these creatures. Give me your your best high your high strange case, your best one.
1: Well, uh, the Del Norte calf was was by far the 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 one that was the most uh, <laughs> disturbing to me. Um, the sheriff got a call from a rancher, went out there uh, in the town of Del Norte, which is on the western side of the center of the San Luis Valley, which is the world's largest alpine valley. We're talking at an altitude of the valley floor at 7,500 feet, totally ringed by mountains, going up uh, You know, 14ers. We have seven 14,000-foot mountains, and then a whole slew of 10 to 13 um, that surround the entire valley. And, and Del Norte is in Rio Grande County. And the sheriff went out there, and it just snowed. Uh, this was early March. 1998. It had just snowed five inches the night before, and uh, the rancher had found the animal out in the pasture, lying in a pristine snow snowfall. The heat of the animal had dried had uh, had uh, evaporated the snow, but its imprint lay perfectly untouched in the snow. And the animal was lis- lis- uh, missing its entire front leg, um, which was taken away. The upper respiratory or- organs, the rib cage. And the spine had been taken. The spine had been snapped out in an upwards motion, which is impossible because the hide was there. So we don't know how actually they got the spine out because but by the way that the, the, the remaining discs uh, at the base of the skull and at the top of the hips, the way those discs uh, were situated, uh, it, the, the spine couldn't have been taken out through the, through the uh, excision that took away the leg. Um, it was very strange. Wow, uh, there was works. absolutely no blood. Uh, the heart and liver had not been a perfectly drop. excised. Not a drop in blood. Laid in the body cavity. Not a drop anywhere. No, uh, well there's one drop the, on the left rear hoof. Okay. But there was not one drop of blood in a pristine five inch snowfall. Now, I don't know how, do you, how you explain that. The brain was missing. It had a completely dry brain case. Uh, there was no break into the cranium. Oh my uh, when God. One eye was gone. Uh, the animal appeared, uh, to, to have some sort of Retarded necrotic process, uh, somehow. There was no uh, smell of rot. He dragged it into a heated garage for several days. Uh, I think about a week. And I, when I went back there, um, I literally put my nose down to, to the carcass and I could not smell one cadaverine molecule, which is the molecule that makes dead meat stink. Right. Uh, right. Um, instead I, I smelt a, this faint, um, smell of like a med- medicinal smell, uh, some some sort of antiseptic type smell. Wasn't formaldehyde? And, no, it wasn't. It wasn't formalin or formaldehyde, but it it, it smelled like uh like some sort of antiseptic, like they would put on a on a on a patient before they they surgery. Um, hmm. th- this animal was definitely targeted. There was no question about it. There were no tracks anywhere. Uh, the rest of the herd was completely spooked, all the way at the other side of the. Of the of the um, pasture and extremely agitated, uh, the rancher really knew his stuff. He's one of the better ranchers in the area, and uh, we did have strange light reports from two different uh, sources, two different witnesses. The the night uh, we think that the animal was targeted, um, people saw uh, strange lights out in the pastures uh, in that part of of the county. So uh, what does that, that mean? One though, went Chris? down in in my uh, <laughs> my book is the. Is, is, is the most spectacular one or, or is the most startling one. I'll say. But what does that mean, strange
0: lights? I mean, could it have been a helicopter, maybe maybe some government agency swoops down without getting out of the helicopter, without landing, they scoop up this hapless creature, take it back to a lab somewhere, and and use, who knows, lasers or whatever. I mean, is that within the realm of possibility? Yeah
1: it is. Um I this this particular animal uh did not appear to have any sort of high heat uh involved in the, as a cutting agent. Those cases are fairly rare. Um you get this this pop culture sort of view of this that all these animals are being cut by lasers. No, they're not. Uh very very few. Um I only had a handful, three or four I think, that showed any evidence of high heat. They do occur, but um but again, they're they're just a small percentage. Of the cases, You know, I have a theory that these animals are being targeted by, by helicopters. Um, there may be some sort of apparatus underneath, some sort of claw that's able to, to grab them. We found animals with lots of bruising on their backs. We've had many, many animals, um, hundreds of animals have been described as being dropped from a great height. With horns driven into the skull, you know, all the bones broken, legs twisted around from 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 hitting the ground at extreme speed with all the weight of the animal uh, behind it. Uh, So, you know, I have this theory that they're picking them up somehow, and they're taking them to a to a a secluded spot that has a semi truck sitting there but the semi-truck has a, has a uh, retractable roof or ceiling on the trailer and they just drop it right in onto some sort of uh, operating table after uh, darting the animal or, and rendering it incapacitated. Um this would be the the most obvious way to get the smaller animals the heifers and the uh and the younger animals. Now how are you going to do that to a 2500 pounds Angus bull or a Simmental or you know some of these huge uh bulls that have been reported mutilated? I don't know. It it, it would be you would be very hard pressed to have a helicopter that could even lift one. Uh some of them are so big uh without you know a helicopter without you know drawing lots of attention. But uh you know in rural areas a lot a lot of times uh, these animals are out of sight of highways or roads or out of sight of ranching homes um, they tend to they tend to be uh a good deal of them tend to be fairly you know in the, in the farther reaches of the ranch and uh that i think by Targeting those animals, it, it accomplishes several things. One, they might not be discovered for a few days, which would then render any sort of post-mortem investigation impossible because the animal's already starting to rot. And the other thing, again, as I described, is they're going to be out of sight. And, uh, you know, maybe the ranch animals won't bark or the dogs won't bark. And, and it's just, it's just going to, I think, uh, it's going to uh, create a, a situation
0: more conducive for stealth. Let's put it that way. Christopher O'Brien is with us, and his uh, latest book is Stalking the Herd, Unraveling the Cattle Mutilation Mystery. Ourstrangeplanet.com uh, is, is the website. Uh, let's uh, let's look at one of the more prosaic explanations, which really isn't all that ex- uh, prosaic. I mean, it's pretty bizarre. But let's say it is, you know, the men in black, a helicopter. It's uh, some uh, government agency, and they're doing these experiments on these on these cattle. Uh, what are they looking for? Prions that cause mad cow? Are they tracking virulent diseases? What are they doing?
1: Yeah, that that makes the most sense to me, and I'm not the only one that has that uh, particular theory at the top of uh, my list. Uh, the National Institute for Discovery Sciences NIDS, um, famous for buying the Utah Skinwalker Ranch, Robert Bigelow's group back in the 90s and 2000 uh, up to I think they were in they were uh, an organization until 2005. They had a, a really good veterinary pathologist um, that went out to these cases. Um, the managing director was a, a, uh, was a microbiologist named Colm Kelleher, and he wrote a book called Brain Trust, which looked at the outbreak of, of mad cow in Canada and then the outbreak of mutilations uh quickly occurring around the region, almost methodically um, uh, around the area where the, the animal with the prion disease was was discovered and uh he came up with the theory that yeah that's what's going on we're we're seeing a monitoring of of some sort of quasi governmental monitoring of the food chain basically and it's it's not where the cow is um it's it's where the where the cow is in in the environment and so it, it seems like there's environmental sampling going on um i i had um interesting uh Newspaper, or paper article was sent to me from the Westward Magazine in Denver. And it was an expose, uh, by a former EPA scientist named Brian Rimmer. He had been tasked with raising, uh, sheep and other grazing animals, uh, along the Alamosa River in the San Luis Valley. And, uh, and the reason being is up, up, up river in, in the mountains, uh, right near the Super, uh, Superfund site at the Summitville Gold Mine, they had trashed the upper 17 to 20 miles of the river with heavy metals and arsenic and, and just nasty stuff and uh-huh. just killed everything. And so he was downstream, 40 miles down and out into the valley. And this, you gotta understand that this river has lots of canals that feed off into uh, irrigation systems for farmers and ranch, um, and uh, water for ranchers and water for, People's drinking water as well, uh, the water table there. So he was tasked with raising animals for 90 days, and then they would take the animals, take them into the laboratory, uh, snuff them, and then do workups on their their organs and see uh, what the effect of the Superfund cleanup site had on uh, the water. Sure. Well, they found they found incredible amounts of, of copper and other heavy metals, and and he uh, he went to his superior and said, look. I can't even believe these animals are still alive. We should warn the farmers and ranchers, you know, uh, that we found the, these results and he was forbidden to. The EPA said, no, you're not. You're not going to start a panic. And he, he got so incensed that he actually quit his job and he did a whistleblower expose with Westward Magazine and actually sued them, sued the EPA. Well, I find it interesting during that time period, if you went a few miles down the river, uh, that's where I had seven mutilation cases. Aha!
0: Uh-huh. I see what's going on. Right on here.
1: the Alamosa River, and also on some of the canals and feeders, uh, feeder uh, ditches that come off the Alamosa River. But all the mutes were on waterways that were coming directly from the Alamosa River over about an 18-month period. Bingo!
0: We're heading into a break, but here it is. So now, instead of uh, you know trusting some farmer to to raise these cattle uh, for 90 days so they can experiment, they don't want any more whistleblowers. They're going to do it in the dead of the night. On their own, no questions asked, uh, and no restitution to the poor rancher. Back with more of my conversation with Christopher O'Brien, stalking the herd, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra We continue to delve into one of the most uh, well, it's one of the most bizarre uh, phenomenon I've ever come across in in uh, doing this program for 20 years, and that is uh, the cattle mutilation uh, phenomenon. Christopher O'Brien is the author of Stalking the Herd, Unraveling the Cattle Mutilation Mystery, and he is a field investigator. He rolls up his sleeves and he gets down and dirty and um, really approaches this, I think, like no other, with a, with a real level head and a rational mind and doesn't jump to conclusions and probably uh, has taken uh, considerable heat for that from <laughs> others that would like to sensationalize this am i correct chris
1: oh boy uh, you are i i've been i've been uh, trying to i mean just when i first started doing this investigative work in 93 i went around to the to the you know the well known investigators and i said you know they 're always moaning about how they don 't get any respect they don 't get any attention. This is you know really a really serious subject, and I said, "Well, maybe the word mutilation itself just kind of turns people off why don 't you come up with a better way of describing these things? oh no that 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 's shock value. we need that and it 's mm-hmm. like well you can 't have your cake and eat it too. If you want to have shock value and not turn people off, you have to come up with a better term that 's more accurate. These animals are not mutilated. mutilation to me. It's almost like a uh, just a frenzied hacking
0: right <laughs> like a ma- being are expertly, mangled yeah they're, experimented they 're not mangled they are as right that 's right they are um, experimented on. We were talking about um, a possibility that that some the the EPA may be behind this that now they are surreptitiously testing these animals because they tried it the other way. They had a, uh, somebody raise the cattle for 90 days. Then they did the experiments. They found something, heavy metal contamination. Then they didn't want to divulge it and cause a panic. So then they created a whistleblower scenario. So want, they want to avoid that now. Is that what's going on? Yeah. So now they're doing it Well, in yeah. and,
1: and I think, you know, people say, well, why don't they just take the animals? And, you know, they did that in 71. They did not leave the, the animals behind. And all these cases turned into grand theft larcen, you know, larceny <laughs> cases. Because the animals were taken, police reports are being filed. People, you know, all the ranchers in in Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, where all these cases were occurring, they they were starting to form vigilante groups, run around armed, shoot at helicopters. And then in '72, not one case was reported, not one mutilation was reported, Mm. and and, uh, all this stolen animal scenario totally uh, totally chilled out and quieted down. And then in 73, boom, we had the start of the modern phase of the mutilation phenomenon where the animals were left behind. Now think about it. When you leave the animal behind, what are you accomplishing? One, there is no uh, stolen property. Uh, two, you'll always have plausible deniability. You can always say, oh, it's just it's just scaven- predator and scavengers. You don't know what you're looking at. And three, you can target certain ranching communities uh, to maybe subjugate them and put them in fear. A lot of these areas of high incidence also have lots of militia groups and very patriotic Americans, which is something that you don't really
0: hear about too much from the other popular investigators. You also don't hear wait wait let that, me just hang on, let me follow up on that threat so what you, right. are you they're trying to intimidate these patriot groups? Is that what they're trying to do?
1: I think so, <laughs> and it's also funny how mad cow disease broke out in in the in the woods where some of the most um uh radical uh ranchers sort of m- militia types uh live in Weld County and you know the upper uh northeast uh the preppers Col- Colorado. Say yeah.
0: again? The preppers.
1: Yeah, the prepper types, exactly. And, and, uh, south, southwestern, uh, corner of Nebraska. You have very, very, a very, very strong patriot militia presence in these areas. And I find it interesting that mad cows should break out in all the deer herds and all these guys go there to hunt. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a whole different topic, but basically there's another theory too that, that has not gotten, uh, that's gotten short shrift, shall we say. And that is 70 to 80% of the ranches that were hit by the mutilators in the 70s are gone. And instead, there's huge industrial, uh, feedlots and, uh, you know, modern, uh, super agricultural, uh, operations, super feedlots and these, these industrialized, uh, operations where Hundreds of thousands of animals are living in these filthy conditions, and they have to pump. You know, 80% of the antibiotics used in in um, in America uh, goes into uh, cattle. 60% of the growth hormones used, uh, a sizable percentage of steroids, and uh, you know they they try to get these animals fat as quickly as they can. They feed them grain, which they're not really designed by nature to uh, properly metabolize. GMO so cotton and alfalfa. Fat. Yeah. They have to keep, they keep them in these terribly filthy conditions or walking around in a foot to two feet of feces and urine. They have to get them out of there as quickly as possible so they pump them full of growth hormones, pump them full of antibiotics, pump them full of steroids. And these animals used to be living free range on small mom and pop ranches 70 to 80% of them are gone and i think that back in the 70s we have cases where large ranching concerns were using the mutilation phenomenon as a way to intimidate smaller ranchers to either run them off or have them sell their land or try to put them out of business uh, i have uh, some really good data and and uh, law enforcement uh, evidence to back this up
0: i'm sure you do chris and uh, you mentioned you know Giving it short shrift, and unfortunately, we'll have to do that. We'll take a timeout, come back. We can uh, touch on that a little bit more. But then there's the other, less prosaic, the high-strange cases uh, that may involve the supernatural. Chris O'Brien, stalking the herd. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away. Loose lips sink ships, and sometimes corporations. We are back with Christopher O'Brien. Our and uh the book is stalking the herd, unraveling the cattle mutilation mystery. Uh so the um, the sinister um, motive here driving uh mom and pop ranchers off the land so they could be replaced with uh these basically uh, uh sort of industrial farming. And uh, we have to be careful. This is how uh Oprah Winfrey got in trouble with the beef industry. So. <laughs>
1: I, love I, I love hamburgers. I love
0: steaks. <laughs> Me uh, too. <laughs> but I
1: like them, I like them free range, you know, from my local neighborhood here. I can just go up to the top of the hill here and look down on the herd. There you so go. So local mumia, I think as the Greeks called it. Uh, <laughs> I don't eat industrialized beef protein.
0: <laughs> I don't eat
1: much beef really at all, but uh, when I do, I, I like to know where it's from and how it's
0: raised. Uh, the, the, this, it makes the question is whether the, the, um, the, the more Hi, uh what am i trying to say here the, the the people that are involved in this arena as you are but are, are far more sensational is it i don't want to mention any names here but is it possible <laughs> that they are in cahoots because they seem to be really pushing this you know the high strange the ufo the alien connection
1: uh, it's their careers they're just trying to sensationalize it this you know create you know put more butts in the conference seats uh, to be on tv to you know they pay their bills with this work i i don't i'm i'm a, i'm an amateur that that has a life um i you know this i'm, I'm actually kind of semi-retired from the mutilation uh field investigating it's it's the least my least favorite thing to do in life is to, to roll up on a, a dead necrotic cow that's been sitting there a little too long it's just it's nasty it's disgusting i i, I really don't like it so i i moved to one of the states that they don't they has some of the fewest numbers <laughs> of <laughs> mutilations, so I can so I can not be called up and dragged out of bed or, you know, whatever. Um, I've ridden up to two and a half, three hours to a case. Just, you know, the, the, the rancher's wife called me and then I get there and come to find out the rancher didn't want her to call. He took the animal and buried it with a backhoe and took off in his truck. And, you know, I had to try to track him down around town and, you know, he ducked me. And, you know, it was six hours of driving time oh my. Uh, just to get there and back. So – you know I'm I'm really not uh, I'm not I'm not too unhappy uh,
0: uh not having to go out on cases. Yes. Chris, I put, put your feet up. Go, miles go lie in my truck in, in 6 years. Oh my yeah. Go, you know, put your feet up. Go lie down in a crop circle. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, right. So the let's talk about those high strange cases though. The the, uh, the one that that even have you scratching your head, you know, you mentioned the uh the the uh, the skull that had uh, the brain had been removed from the calf's skull. Uh, the spine excised in a strange manner. Um, assuming that these aren't uh, EPA members doing this, what's the other possibility here? Something supernatural you mentioned.
1: Well, you know, that's the only thing that I can really think of. I think that there's some sort of as yet undefined predator that has possibly some sort of dimensional capability, time-based, I don't know. But it's something that is is definitely a paranormal in nature, um, I think you know the popular conception is it's aliens coming down to gather genetic material uh, to help uh, shore up their dying race and to help strengthen their gene pool and all this, and it's all the blood and genetic material they're after. Well, my my answer is very simple to that, and and I will win any argument. <laughs> if they were so interested in genetic material and blood, why don't they just pick? Block on a feedlot and go inside and get all the genetic material they need, and nobody would be the wiser. Right? It it, it just doesn't make sense that the aliens would be sneaking around out in, in pa- the pastures of the world. And out of my list of suspects, uh, you know, ETs from outside of our closed system would be the least likely scenario in my book. I'm, that's not saying that we don't have high strange cases. We do, and they're very very spooky. And when a rancher has one of those, chances are he's not going to report it because it's so scary. He doesn't want any attention drawn to himself. And so those cases are the least likely cases to be reported. The cases that are most likely to be reported are ranchers who don't know what they're looking at, who are real rank amateurs, which have been uh, several of those uh, in recent years uh, in southern Colorado. Uh, <laughs> Uh, ranchers that have uh, alter- ulterior motives like insurance claims that sort of thing that 's another uh, possible uh, reason for them to come forward. but the main reason to come forward is if they think that they 've been targeted if they 've seen weird convoys of 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 SUVs if they 've seen helicopters buzzing around un- unusual aerial you know, mundane aerial activity, but but unusual around their ranch. Then they think that maybe the government has, for some reason, targeted them, and that tends to get them angry, and then they'll be more likely to go to the sheriff and report it. But but by now, after 40, 50 years of this, ranchers are pretty pretty up to speed on it, and they know that if they report it, nothing really is going to happen. I mean, there's no real recourse. You're just going to bring down, you know, these these hot shot uh, glam investigators. <laughs> coming in and trying to get you on coast to coast and, you know, trying to get TV (laughs) Uh, shows to come and talk to you and all that. Um, They, they're pretty gun shy when it comes to this and generally the, the cases that I got were, were cases I had to ferret out. You know, people would say, oh, my neighbor, you know, I heard my neighbor had one of these or, or somebody would say my, you know, my uncle, he had a ranch and he had these cases happen. You should definitely talk to him. And, and sometimes it would take me two to three weeks or months even to get these people to open up. But, but the, the best cases are the ones where the people don't report them. They don't go to law enforcement. They don't go to the media. They don't go to, to these, uh, you know, investigator types or the newspapers or whatever.
0: I agree those are the most credible because you know they 're not yeah. looking for publicity. I just wanted to backtrack a little minute in talking about the sure. uh, the, the possible alien connection and like you i don 't believe, believe it you 're right it, they could, could easy could far easier it would be far easier to to uh, pick the lock on a feedlot but here 's the other reason i don 't think they 'd be traveling light years to do this in order for them to to travel here. they would have had to have harnessed the power of the sun essentially, so if they need to create uh, a certain protein or DNA molecule, they could essentially just snap their fingers, I would think. They don't need to travel, you know, f- four or five light years to do it.
1: Well, you know, and I agree, and it's like in the abduction phenomenon, you know, there's, there's investigators walking around with cases filled with all these recovered implants. Well, you know, all this stuff started before we really got in, into nanotechnology. I mean, you would think... That an alien race, you know, a thousand years ahead of us, uh, a million years ahead of us, would have something akin to, you know, some sort of nanotech that you can never recover. You can never find it, um, even probably transmitting ones that transmit in a way that we couldn't detect. Um, you know, everybody kind of looks at, at, at these mysteries, I think, too simplistically. They don't really, um, you know, they don't use the power of rational thought. <laughs> they just want to sensationalize and sensationalize and tell people uh, you know these these spooky stories um, and and to me, that is what is wrong with the field and why we 're not taken more seriously by law enforcement and by the medical field and the diagnostic uh, 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 medical field i i think it 's really important to to try to be as circumspect about these cases and as open minded and 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 non Uh, you know, don't bang some sort of agenda drum and try to find, you know, only look at the cases that conform to your particular foregone conclusion. You know, and these, these investigators do tend to you know, accent the cases where strange lights are seen, even even structured craft uh, have been seen around mutilation sites. I'm not saying these cases don't happen, but they're extremely rare compared to the vast majority of cases. And so, why look at one or two percent of the data and pretend the other 98 percent isn't there? Uh, that to me is intellectual dishonesty, and and I I just won't go there. I, I don't need to create a cult of personality and pay bills with this work.
0: Well, and uh, again, th- that's um, what makes you, I think. By far the most credible researcher in this field, uh, but I do want to circle back to the high strange again and the possibility okay. that mm-hmm. we are talking about. After having said all that, these these few cases that uh, that have you up a tree, uh, and there could be some supernatural, paranormal explanation. Um, is there anything? I, I, I love David Perkins' uh, idea. He seems to
1: think that, uh, you know, collectively, if you if you go with the Jungarian sort of uh, view or or idea hypothesis of the, you know, the collective human unconscious, you know, collectively on an unconscious level, we know that cattle are extremely detrimental to the environment. They, they're the largest source of freshwater pollution, the largest source of the creation of deserts, the single main reason why we're cutting down rainforests. Um, they, they they harbor horrific diseases. Um, such as, you know, the pre, pre, prion disease, mm-hmm. uh, or bovine spongiform encephalopathy. Incep- cephalothop- incep- I have a hard time saying that word. Yeah, I, I won't even touch that incep- one. Encephalopathy.
0: Cephalop- <laughs> <laughs> we need a it's whole just, my, show for my that. My tongue one. doesn't
1: like that word. Mad anyway, cow, it's called BSE call it or mad-, mad cow
0: disease. Yeah.
1: So, you know, it's my. I just really have a have a sense that. Uh, This is a lot more complicated. Uh, Let's, let's put it that way. Um, a lot more complicated than, than a a single one size fits all answer. I think there are multiple, multiple groups involved. You know, David Perkins' idea of the collective unconscious manifesting some sort of societal angst that's, that's creating warnings for ourselves to, to stop using beef as a protein source. You know, we've all heard of stigmata, right? Yes. You know, all these uh, animal death cases, by the way, only occur in Christian countries. Which uh, no other investigators really, you know, figured out. Only Christian countries have these have these. It's an unusual livestock death. It's an excellent but, point because uh, it, you've heard of stigmata, right? Yes, of course. Okay, well, how about if there's some sort of cultural stigmata that, that we're actually uh, collectively targeting these animals and having spontaneous uh, manifestations of of collective angst about cattle and the environment. So maybe it's us doing this. I I love that theory. It it it, it, it touches on Gaian theory, you know, uh, if you will, or Earth science uh, uh, theory. Um, It touches on on the collective unconscious and the ability of the 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 mass to to um, actually uh, create spontaneous um, effect in the environment. Um, I, I think it's a fascinating theory. I don't think enough creative creative thinking has been applied to this whole thing, and not enough diagnostic uh,
0: <laughs> veterinary pathology either. <laughs> right, right. We we just have about two minutes left. Um, I just very quickly I want to touch on this because I know that you you have studied uh, uh, folklore from various uh, Aboriginal groups. Um you know the, uh, the I'm guessing maybe in that region uh, the the pueblos and the, you know the the oh, yeah. uh, the navajos and so forth is there anything well, the Hopi and zuni the, the Ho- navajo ah. just okay. arrived before the spanish all right anything in there their folklore their legends that might provide some some hint and we have about 2 minutes here
1: um not really um i i don't i don't, I don't see any real uh, correlations uh, within within the Native American communities, they do have certain legends of creatures, but they tend to be targeting the the Indians themselves, not the animals. So, um, to my knowledge, no. And I've done quite a bit of digging on this. I, I did have. Uh, the last traditional elder, the Hopi, was was a, a pretty close friend uh, for 15 years. Uh, Grandfather Martin, uh, one of my dearest friends, is uh, a Zuni elder, Clifford Mahuti. Um I've talked to you know a lot of Native Americans, and uh, they just don't have. Uh, they didn't see this type of thing occurring to the to the wild game here. Although buffalo, deer, elk have all been found mutilated in the modern era. Uh, Pigs, swine, goats, sheep, uh, even a coyote uh, was found mutilated, lying next to a mutilated cow. I had once.
0: Ah, Wow. (laughs) So in answer to your question, no. All right. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for this. Uh, I enjoyed talking with you immensely, and we'll uh, we'll have to do it again sometime.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Richard,
0: for having me on, and thanks for uh, having me on Coast to Coast as well. Anytime, my friend. Christopher O'Brien, the book is... Stalking the herd, unraveling the cattle mutilation mystery, and his website is ourstrangeplanet.com. All right, more show to come. Stay where you are. Say hello on Twitter at Richard S Y because I love you. R E double T, and as always, follow the truth.